0: This is The Blitz, simulcast on the Sports Roundtable Podcast. I am your host, Chris Westfall, alongside Neil Waldeck and Kelly Gamble. Aaron Host, still in training this week. Still, Still trying to figure out everything. You know, he keeps having pretty decent weeks. Six and five. He must be watching game film.
1: What he may be doing, uh, getting at, you know, because he's got to, he's going to do better than what he did last year, and he's doing well, everything he can, looking at film, looking at the games, really doing some research on each and every one of these games, breaking them down,
0: yeah. So that I, I mean, how does the man fit all this in? School, work, working like three jobs.
1: It, it, he just uh, able to squeeze it in from yeah. time to time. You know, he does a <laughs> lot of it. I think uh, while he's working out.
0: Oh, okay. Watching watching game tape while working out. That's yeah, good. There you go. That's good. Yeah. Kelly Gamble is in the Studio B with Neil Waldeck this evening. Uh, uh, Kelly coming off of a five and six week. Yeah. Uh, after five and six, you wouldn't think you would gain ground on Neil Waldeck, but Neil went four and seven in I our I had picks. one of those weeks, so
2: I, feel, uh, I know
0: what it feels like. And I didn't take a bye, Chris.
1: you needed a bye week last week is that what you were saying i should have took a bye this week after the four and seven i feel like i should have took a bye week
0: today well neil is no longer our leader in our pick segment for the first time in a long time he's got a he he had a heck of a streak going because won the thing last year and and has led this whole season yeah no longer my friend i caught you i caught you with my six and five mark you did last you had a week.
1: Good, you well. You and Aaron both had a good eh, week, and
0: not really. But you know, when when you guys are pitching losing records, <laughs>
2: <laughs> anything's better, right? <laughs> well, I mean, I think everybody's been wondering whenever you was going to actually have a down week, Neil. I mean, yeah, yeah. and and he gave us consistent.
0: one. And and Kelly, you even gain a game on, uh, game on
2: him. Game on I'm still staying within four, no man. matter who's been the leader. You know, Neil's been leading. You're leading. I'm still within four games. Yeah. I mean, in all honesty. You have one of those four and seven weeks, and and I have a ten and yeah. one or nine and two. I mean, I'm right there. It's just it's
0: and I'm not going to say I'm not going to have a four and seven week. Could come this air. week.
2: It's all it's all up for grabs. We're all close. This is a tight battle, man, just like a pennant race.
0: Guys, uh, big game last week in Morgantown. I think there was a lot of hype surrounding the West Virginia Texas game. You, you know, I, and here's one of the things that bug me uh, just a little bit. And I know as a casual fan, it is real easy and real excited to get up for the Texas Longhorns. Everybody loves to hate them. They're ranked number 11 in the country. But guys, let's face it, the odds of that team beating Texas last week were slim. Texas is a very good football game. Give it up to the guys because I tell you, they stayed in it up until the fourth quarter. But here's the thing, guys, and this is what really kind of gets me going, is you got all up, you got all excited for Texas, and and I'm talking as a fan base perspective here. You get all up for that game. You give it everything you got. The crowd was amazing, over 62,000 people, and most of them stayed up until the bitter end when things were out of hand. But, guys, the big one is this week. Because this is one of those games that we've talked about. It's one of those that you could possibly win. And that's what this team needs is wins. But yet, I I have a feeling, as a fan base, they won't get as up for Iowa State as they did for Texas last week. And that bothers me a little bit.
2: I I agree with you. I think that that's probably the case. I think that big names is... To kids. You know, they, they pick certain teams and who they think the big games are. and Not, uh, not
0: only to kids. There,
1: there's adults. But, true, true. Uh, <laughs> I just think there was so much emphasis on this horns down thing. Yeah. That that's what made it a big thing. And from the time we beat them last year, yeah, and yeah. then it was already a sold-out game at the beginning of the season because they knew what was coming, and yeah, they made it a big
0: game. Yeah, they did. Um you know, we kind of got what we were all expecting and what we all talked about. Defense was able to keep you in that thing. At the end of the day, guys, we're just not ready for Texas offensively. We're no. not? You know, but you can take the positive from it in this way. You look at the last good team you played in Missouri, Missouri pounded you. You couldn't do anything on offense. Texas, there's been improvement since then. First half, that offense looked pretty good. Texas makes adjustments. You can't get it going in the second half.
1: Now, Chris, what I saw was in this Texas game, even though you know you say, well, we suffered a loss, but I saw a bowl team here because I really think this team could, if it handles itself the way they did against Texas, they could get enough wins for a
0: bowl win. A bowl uh, game, not a bowl win, I, but a bowl game. I, I still can't see where you're going to get six wins at. Uh-huh. Look at looking down this schedule, I, I just can't see Well,
1: you've got three games already that are under your belt. Now, you've got right. three games still at home, and that well, starts with Iowa State, which you just said was a big one. Which it I is. Think is. It's a, a big very game. big game. But I think it, you can beat a lot of these teams mm. at home. Oklahoma State, uh, Texas Tech, mm. I think you can beat at home. And uh, you'll have that advantage. If you can hang with Texas – why couldn't you beat these teams? Uh, some of these teams at home,
0: uh, Kelly. Let me let me ask you because Neil in the preseason had West Virginia as a bowl team. Let, let seven me and ask you:
2: I went five and seven. I yeah. believe you went four and eight. Four and eight. Um, and
0: right now, if I had to look at it, we might get to five.
2: So I, I'm still up in the air too. I'm going week to week. Uh, I'm, I think the Big Twelve is starting to become almost like the Pac-12 a little bit when, other than at the top tier, uh, you know, Oklahoma right now seems to me like they've. They've opened it up. There's no doubt that they're the best team. I disagree with that. Um, After that, though, I think that the Big 12 (laughs) on a given Saturday sometimes is up in the air. But I just think that our inexperience right now still shows me.
0: That middle section. Yeah.
2: It's going to be tough. I still think it's going to be tough. Uh, I want Neil to be right. I do, too. But I still think it's going to be tough. I think we're going to have to find a way to, you know, we got to find a way to win some of these games that are winnable. And that means no mistakes. And you cannot have four turnovers and two missed field goals because we had an opportunity. Mm -hmm. There's no doubt. We had an opportunity in that game without the four picks and the two uh, missed field goals uh, to actually beat Texas. Well,
0: you break it down this way. Let's break it down this way, and this is the way Neil Brown broke it down in his teleconference on Monday. Let's break it down. You got two missed field goals. That's six points. You had a turnover, which you brought back into Texas territory, and went three and out, had to kick another field goal. That's the difference. That's a four-point difference there. That's a total of 10. Final score was 42-31. There, right
2: there is the ball game. But they scored 21 off of the four turnovers. They scored 21 points off of three of the turnovers. They capitalized 21 mm-hmm. points. Yep. yep. That's huge. That's top huge. of the six that we didn't get and the four more. So that's 10. That's no, that's 31 but, points. But
0: even with, even you had a chance to win that game even with the the first couple turnovers. Because when you intercept that pass in the third quarter, the early of the fourth quarter, whenever it was, the Texas's only turnover of the game, you bring that ball down, you got all the momentum in the world. You're going in to tie it and you have to kick a field goal. Yep. That, that right there was the turning point in this game. I, you know, and you can sit here and say, "Well, Austin Kindle threw four interceptions," which we'll talk about here in a second. But it, it's more than that; it, it's so much more than that. You got to find a way to turn those touchdowns, uh, field goals into touchdowns, especially that one, or even the field goal the
2: attempts that we missed into yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, um, you, you, you know, it's that and that's something they're going to have to get better at. And that's a inexperience, and that's still my concern, Chris. For me, as far as seeing us be a bowl team, or four or five win team, it's that experience yep. that they got to get better every week. And now we're throwing some injuries on top of that, mm-hmm. plus some red shirts, as we'll talk about here in a little bit as well, uh, talking about Giovanni mm-hmm. Stewart.
0: You Neil, know, let me ask you about the turnover situation. A lot of talk this week about the four interceptions by Austin Kendall. It, dude threw the ball, ball 46 times, completed 31 um Three touchdown passes, all good things that Austin Kendall did. And then you look at the red line, the four turnovers. No way in the world anybody can put this game completely on Austin Kendall. Your feelings on the four interceptions?
1: Well, uh as we talked uh, before we went on the air, not all those interceptions were Austin Kendall's. I mean, you take the one with Sam James, he's got to fight that. That's a 50-50 ball.
0: Yeah, you got to come away with it. You You have to.
1: And he didn't do that. So, uh, you know, and then there was a couple of the interceptions that were Kendall's, but for the most part, uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things. I thought Kendall played well in this game, other than a couple of the interceptions that he threw, but other than that, I thought, and he's uh, I know got a little bit of an injury, but I'm and I know that they're not using that as an excuse, and that's that's great. But I've I seen so much argument, get him out of nah, there. I, nah.
2: he, you're going to live or die with this man yeah, because he's uh, let's the best look,
0: they've got. Yeah, let's look at who's underneath him. Exactly. below well, obviously, him. Obviously,
2: Trey Lowe's not ready, or no. he would have come in and played a little bit. And We know yes. what we saw last year with uh, Allison.
0: What we saw in one Allison. possession yeah. at Missouri with yeah.
2: Jack yeah. Allison. Yeah. That and was so, the I, worst no, interception Andrew, I going, ever threw a college die. quarterback throw. And on one of those interceptions... The receiver, Neil Brown, said ran the wrong route. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the not the on him, first is.
0: one, and here the first one of the game, after we went up seven nothing, and we got to stop. We get the ball back. We throw an interception. That the was, very I next play. That was huge. Yeah. But here's the thing: that little seam route that he threw there, he held the ball a second too long. He did because we came back and hit that thing a little bit
2: later to the opposite side for a to, long touchdown to Simmons.
0: Yeah, to Simmons. You know, so it's a matter of seconds. That one is on him. He he held it just a little bit too long, guys. What I saw in those two late, the two real late ones in the fourth quarter. Here's the thing, guys. If you cannot establish the running game, and we're still unable to do that, only 96 yards rushing in this game to Texas's 216. We averaged four yards a carry, which isn't horrible, but they, they didn't run the ball as much cause they knew that it wasn't there, that it wasn't there. And all of a sudden late in that game, after you kick that field goal and, and you're, you're not tied and Texas scores again, Austin Kendall puts it on himself. He says, I got to do this. And he starts pressing the matter. And, and yes, that is a young quarterback mistake. But you also have to establish line of scrimmage. You have to establish a running game. And we could not get that established in the second half of that game. We couldn't.
1: Well, true, and and we still have problems with that offensive line, and, and I think Neil Brown uh, recognizes that we have an issue with that uh, offensive line, so he creates offense, and and if you notice at the beginning of the game, I mean, it was pass, pass, pass. I mean, it, yeah. I think, was late in the first quarter that he ran the ball it was. for the first time, so he, he recognizes it. I think he thought he would come out. And and throw them off by not running the
0: ball, maybe that. And I think he was trying to take advantage of a injured secondary of True. Texas's because we talked last we week did. how many yeah, injuries we were in that secondary. And I think, hey, let's go out early and let's test this secondary and see if they can stop it.
2: I, True, I, I, spoke I agree that myself. And I thought we did do that, but yet. Mm. To be honest with you, I think those young players really stepped up,
0: especially in the second half. Well, they
1: in, in Texas when we talked about this, they have a lot of depth. Yeah. The yeah. next guy in line is yeah. probably just as good as the the yeah. starter. Yeah, yeah. so uh, they just have a lot of depth in yeah. that secondary.
2: Just real quick, uh, number two. Uh, what's his, his name's Johnson. He's supposed to be the uh, second or third best uh, dual threat quarterback that came in. Played oh yeah, running the back. running back. Look, look out for that kid. Yeah,
0: twenty one carries. That, kid.
2: that kid's a stud.
0: He comes into college <laughs> as a quarterback, gets significant playing time. Twenty one carries, a hundred and twenty one yards. Yeah. is what that old quarterback did to you as a running back.
2: He's a stud. Yes, 6'2",
0: uh, the, 215,
2: 220 The next great athletic. Grade. Strong, good-looking kid.
0: The next great Texas running back right good there, and they, they've had a lot of them.
1: And you have to give uh, Ellinger of Texas credit. I mean, uh, once we, we did commit the turnovers, he he will he take advantage pay. of them, and he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He's
2: my type of quarterback. I like quarterbacks like Ellinger, and he's uh, just tough. Tough-nosed, uh, smart, yeah, poised. Uh, you got to give it to Texas. I mean, Ellinger had a good – but I'm I'm looking forward to this Johnson kid, though, to watch him play.
0: Now the interesting question for Texas, and we mentioned this earlier, and we'll talk more about it coming up in our picks segment a little bit later on. Okay, Kelly says Oklahoma has separated themselves from the rest of the Big 12. Texas-Oklahoma right. Red River Showdown coming your way this Saturday. I want to tell you right now. I, I'm going Texas. Ellinger has been battle-tested. You tell me who Oklahoma has played. They haven't been challenged yet. We'll find out who who the team is this week.
2: I agree. I hope you're right, even though... Uh, I, I I'm taking Oklahoma. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He's
0: already given his pick away. We haven't got there yet. Two picks already given (laughs) on the show. Neil, save yours. We need some some excitement, okay? (laughs) I'll I'll save mine. Guys, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we've got a big game. Big, big game. If West Virginia has hopes of making a bowl game this week, this is one they have to get. Definitely. I I believe that. If you can't pull this out, it's going to be real hard to find three wins. I agree with you. From here on out, we'll talk more West Virginia, Iowa State when we come back here on the Blitz simulcast on the Sports Roundtable podcast. Uh, Welcome back to the Blitz on the Sports Roundtable podcast as well. Preston County's Mountaineer Station, 96.7 K-Country. I am your host, Chris Westfall, alongside Neil Waldeck, Kelly Gamble, and Aaron Host is once again absent. We we do believe he is watching game tape somewhere, uh, getting ready for the continued picks that run through the season. Guys, it is time for my fight song of the week, the team that impressed me the most last week in college football. Who could it be? Let's take a check right here. Florida Gators
1: hey they had an excellent game
0: huge win for, for the Gators wrong. guys I, I don't get the Gators they looked they look sloppy all year and here they they get an SC West SEC West team that people were big on and they take them down
1: now but but you think about it, Chris they've been in that top 10 and I think they showed that they deserve to be there with that Impressive win over Auburn there.
0: Well, they do finally prove that they deserve it. I think it was a team that everybody kept saying, why are they in the top ten? And all of a sudden, they they hand one to the Auburn Tigers. Now, it doesn't get much easier for the Florida Gators. They head into Death Valley for a night game against LSU, two SEC unbeatens. This week, you can get our pick for that game coming up a little bit later on in the pick segment of the show. Fight Song of the Week, go Florida Gators. Guys, West Virginia taking on Iowa State. As we continue through Big 12 play this week, you can hear all the live action right here on Preston County's Mountaineer Station. Beginning win, Neil, win. Four o'clock kickoff, that means we go on the air, win. 12.30. 12.30. He put his glasses on for that, folks. <laughs> he got serious. <laughs> Over there in Studio B. Catch the pregame beginning at 12.30. That'll take you up to kickoff time, 4 o'clock. Turn the TV down. Turn the radio up. Listen to the play call from Tony Caridi. Plus postgame coverage as well. Totals up to right about 10 hours worth of coverage right here on Saturday. Guys. Iowa State Cyclones, a team that we've talked about all year. We've talked about them in the preseason as well. Heck, we were talking about this team last year as possibly being maybe uh, contending for a Big 12 championship. I know myself and uh, Aaron Host picked them uh, to go all the way, and then all of a sudden they come out early in the year And they start laying some eggs. Took them triple overtime to beat Northern Iowa. Uh, Then they lost their rivalry game to Iowa. They blew out Louisiana Monroe. Then they lose to Baylor, but we're finding out Baylor's a pretty good football team. And then they put one on TCU. Guys, your thoughts so far this year on Iowa State? We'll we'll start with Neil over there.
1: Well, I think... um... Iowa State's a team that you don't want to mess with. Uh if you take a look at uh Purdy, their quarterback uh last week against uh TCU, uh which that was kind of a blowout kind of game, so it's kinda of hard to read him, but he rushed for hundred two yards, two touchdowns. He was twenty four or uh twenty four of uh, nineteen of twenty four for two hundred forty seven yards, two touchdowns. Um they have a great uh receiving core, uh one of those uh D Jones He had 110 yards on 10 receptions, so he's uh, someone they need to look out for. And then you also got uh, Landon Akers, another wide receiver for this uh, Iowa State team. So offensively, uh, they are a sound team. They've got uh, running back uh, uh, Johnny Lang. Uh, not quite as uh, probably as strong as Montgomery was. Yeah, in your I go. was.
0: I was just getting ready to point out, and the stat that I want to point out: it's never good when your leading rusher is Brock Purdy, the quarterback. Right, that's never a good thing when your quarterback is that's the true. passing leader and rushing leader. A team definitely missing. David Montgomery. That's right. Because Purdy's got two hundred and three yards rushing. That that's your leading rusher. Yeah. However, when you look at his stats on the year throwing the ball, and here's what's impressive with this guy: 121 of 171. He's got almost sixteen hundred yards passing, ten touchdowns to only two interceptions, taking care of the ball very well. Team that is averaging 37 points a game and averaging 500 yards a game. Uh, it, defensively, West Virginia will have their work cut out for them this week. And defensively, guys, I think that's where Iowa State shines. Kelly is always talking about teams in the Big 12 that play defense. You know, they've given up 17. To Iowa, they only gave up 20. To Louisiana Monroe, only gave up 23 to Baylor and lost the game. They can play some defense.
2: I think I said before the year I thought every defensive team would be better, and I believe that statement is true. Oklahoma was probably the worst defense last year in the Big 12. Even though they had such an explosive offense, they overcame it. But I think every team this year probably in the Big 12 is better defensively than they were a year ago. Except
0: Texas Tech. (laughs)
2: <laughs> True, maybe Texas Tech. I mean, I, I don't know that they're worse, but because the, they was pretty bad. they, last year. they were pretty bad. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think overall, though, the, the Big Twelve is a better defensive conference this year than what we've ever seen. So that makes it more uh, interesting. I think that when you see defense finally being played, but what I see in Iowa State is a roller coaster. Yeah. Up and down throughout this season so far, but I think that the difference will be Brock Purdy. I uh, mean, I think that he. What I love, and Neil and I did, we do high school football, and I was watching a kid who was a freshman, and I said, watch how his ball fakes, even in pre-games, watch this kid with his ball fakes. When you got a kid that can handle the ball, it throws a defense completely off when you have a quarterback that can re- really be a magician with the football and his play fakes. And that's what I saw with Brock Purdy as a freshman last year. That's what I see this year. The kid is just poised in the pocket overall, and, he, and when he tells me you have a scrambling quarterback, I think the Mountaineers have problems with that.
0: Yeah, they they controlled Ellinger last week. They, uh, they did
1: well, but then he was playing with some, um, yeah, you know, bruised yeah. ribs. Yeah. So and
2: he and he's more the bull rusher. He, yeah, I right. mean He's more like the fullback type when he takes off. Ellinger is this kid's more shifty.
0: Brock Purdy, he does. You're absolutely right. That ball fake he can throw is amazing. You, you never know. You know, it even gets guys off guard when he's even left the line of scrimmage. He's he does. two, three yards past the line of scrimmage and throws a ball fake and people jump on it.
2: I mean, yeah. he's just, everything he does, though, from the time he has the ball in his hands is smooth. And that's what I watched last year. And I, I love quarterbacks that can handle the ball. It throws the defense completely off. It just throws them out of whack.
0: Guys, let's talk a couple things West Virginia-wise. And we're, we're talking about how, and I, I believe this offense is struggling. It's struggling to find its identity. And and two of the guys that have came through here in the last few weeks uh, not going to be playing in this game. Well, Sam James is questionable. I I don't like the odds of him playing, and if it is, is he going to be at 100%? Sean Ryan, the Temple transfer, is out indefinitely. Um, We'll know more on him. I know Neil Brown, I think, said at least two games today, possibly more, for Sean Ryan. So guys, how difficult is it going to be for West Virginia uh, uh, to move the ball with two of the guys? Your leading receiver is out. And I know TJ Simmons stepped up last week, but can TJ Simmons carry the load on his own?
1: No, I think you got to pick it up with your your, uh, running backs. I think uh, Letty Brown uh, can be explosive, even if he's uh, catching the football. Uh, I think we saw a couple uh, screen passes where they went with uh, Letty Brown, and once he gets through that offensive line, he can be explosive. So I see him. Uh, they've got to maybe lean towards him to, to be explosive against Iowa State. He'd be one of the players. Haskins had a couple catches at the beginning of the game against Texas. I think you got to get him more involved in this game. He's a, a lethal weapon for them.
2: I want to see him utilize your best talent. Therefore, I think you take Kennedy McCoy, get him out of the backfield, put Letty Brown in, let Letty Brown be and Pettaway, your two main backs, put Sinkfeld and McCoy, get them involved in receiver rotation because there's too many backs, there's too much talent, there's too much ability. So, they're, you know, it just hit me just now as we're talking about it. <laughs> get these kids out there and let them play receiver. And
0: you're right.
2: You're right. You And
0: I've never I... – you know, and it's continuing into this year. You got so much talent in the backfield, you're always constantly rotating it exactly. in. Yes, exactly. Nobody has, in the last couple years, been able to get the hot hand at running back.
2: Yeah. They, they get
0: haven't. a little something going, and then the next series, somebody else is in the game. And I know it's because you just got so much back there, but can't we get them all in the field at once?
2: Well, McCoy and Singfield have the best hands. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Brown and Brown and Petaway, probably your best backs as far as having kind of a combination of both. Yeah. Maybe not the major speed, but, you know, Brown and Petaway. So, you know, the other two, though, McCoy has proven over the years to catch the ball. Sinkfield showed it last year some a little bit this year. So, they got the ability to catch the ball and move with it in their hands and catch, you know, yards after the catch. So, let's get them the ball and put them in other positions and and then you
1: got Campbell who's still available now. Uh he had a concussion but he's back. I mean, if you're going to go deep, he's one of the guys that
0: Is that why he didn't catch a touchdown think, yeah. in this game? I did not know that. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, of course don't forget uh, defensively, Javonny Stewart no longer with the team. Yeah. So, you know, how will that play or impact the defense?
2: I, mean, I, I don't see
0: game. that I, he was uh, he didn't play this past game. Right. And I I don't I I think guys I've been the most impressed with this defense. The, the the steps that they've taken this year, uh, playing as many young guys as what they're playing, uh, they're doing a stand-up job. They are. Uh, I mean, they really are. They kept you in that game Saturday until they couldn't keep you in the game anymore. You know, and that's when the offense has to step it up. You guys, you're going to have to see these younger receivers also come along. Ollie Jennings. um I want to see Wheaton? Wheaton, who had a catch late yeah. in the game. Uh, get Greg Campbell involved. Um, Winston Wright Jr. Uh, you know, if you're going to use these young guys and not redshirt them, you know, they're going to have to step up and fill some shoes. And TJ Simmons needs to continue. What he was doing last week, and yeah, the big question mark when it comes to these talented running backs, you've got to find a way you've got to find a way because there is so much talent you know and I know you're struggling a little on the offensive line, but hey, you've got to find a way you know if you're especially if you're wanting to make a bowl game this year because you're going to have to throw it all out on the line this week.
1: And then, uh, you know, I mean, I understand, you know, of course, uh, Iowa State beat us uh, a year ago with the legs pretty well of Purdy, but I think we're defensively a lot better than what we were a year ago. Uh, You would say, well, how could that be? But uh, Koenig is a very good defensive coordinator, one. Uh, The other thing is, is I think that he'll do a better job of containing Purdy uh, more so than the the, the, uh, defense that Gibson brought. And Gibson, his thing is to prevent the big pass play. But this is going to be more of attacking defense. So Purdy, I, I think, will uh, struggle a little bit against this defense because it's not the same type of defense that gives him the time to throw the ball or take off and run with a only with a three-man front.
0: Guys, it is time for my first. This is actually the first one of the season. The scary stat. What should make West Virginia fans very nervous about this game? Because I did some digging around because I was a little curious about Iowa State and, and, you know, kind of curious about this slow start. Guys, September is not this team's month. Do you know when Iowa State shines under Matt Campbell in the last two years? The month of October. In the last two years, this team has not lost a game in the month of October. 8 no in the last two years. Three of those teams that they beat, top ten teams. The only other team in the country to be 8 no over the last two seasons in the month of October. Can anybody guess?
2: Alabama and Clemson.
0: Alabama. <laughs> Alabama. That's an impressive stat, and it should be very scary to Mountaineer fans. Guys, we have more football to talk about tonight. Stay tuned. Just want to remind everybody that our coverage of Mountaineer football will begin this Saturday, 12.30 p.m. with the pregame show kickoff, scheduled for 4 o'clock. Stay tuned. More of the Blitz on the Sports Roundtable podcast after this. This is the Blitz on 96.7 K-Country and simulcast on the Sports Roundtable podcast. Good evening. We're talking college football in this segment. We'll get to a pressing issue that's on Neil Waldeck's mind. But first, it is now time for that Neil Waldeck song of the week. Guys, he is an old radio dude. And he loves spinning the tunes. Neil, let's find out this week what the song is. Wait a second. Neil. That's the name. Neil. Neil Diamond. But (laughs) we are not playing Pitt.
2: No, we're not. We're playing
1: Iowa State. We are playing Iowa State. Actually, so why are we playing this song tonight? Well, because this is Iowa State's theme song from Neil Diamond, uh, the 1969 pop song. I don't know if you knew that or not.
0: Well, you know, I can never give Pitt credit for c- coming up with this. Because we know Pitt cannot be that creative in playing the song. <laughs> so I knew it had to come from somewhere else. Neil. It
1: did. Mary Pink uh, pulled the trigger on playing Sweet Caroline... In 2006 at Iowa State, and uh, it went on from there. They have been playing it, uh, and they have accepted it as their theme song, "The Sweet Caroline." So it is not Pitt's song; it is actually Iowa State song.
2: 1969, the year that I was born. <laughs>
1: Every time I hear that part
0: right there, I, I wanted to say something that was not allowed on radio. I refrained.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can't. Uh, <laughs> I don't
0: know where you're going with that. You know, cause...
1: leave it to Pitt
0: to steal someone else's song. <laughs> and I know the Boston Red Sox play it a lot, too. So, so Pitt couldn't That's be correct. that original. They couldn't. No, it's not original. And they lost to Duke last week and let... No, they beat Duke last week and let us all down, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. How yeah. dare them? We all picked Duke and... They they ruin everything. Pit, yeah.
2: pit Pit is strong this year, though.
0: Ah, uh, they're not
2: up and down again. Roller coaster. I don't they know. They're, they
0: they're still pit. They are. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we don't care. Uh, we don't. <laughs> we really don't. Guys, uh, one of the topics that have been coming up a lot uh, in college football, and, and you know, we kind of joked around about it when it was going on in Houston with Dana Holgerson, is all these players. Um, they're having a bad year, so they decide to redshirt. And it's reared its ugly head again uh, coming out this week that Rutgers players are now starting to redshirt like crazy. Neil, I, I know you wanted to touch on this. Why don't you uh, go ahead bring up the debate for us? Well,
1: well basically, here's my thought. Uh, we, we've entered this uh, portal thing, and, and Rutgers, we know they're having a terrible year. They've lost, uh, I think they're uh, winless at this point in time. But uh, bringing up one uh, individual player from Rutgers, Blackshear, he is standing on the sidelines. His coach says, I need you to go in there. But he says, no, I'm going to red shirt and I'm going to play somewhere else. But I will wear the jersey. I will wear red and white out here on the field for you. But I am not going into that game. Where's the heart of this team. And where where is this all going to, uh, this uh, portal? Because if you're going to get players in, and then if you're having a losing season, boom, they're on the bandwagon to yeah. get out of town, th- this is going to go crazy. Well,
0: you know, and the way the NCAA set up this rule with the new red-shirting rules, I, I, never, I don't think that they envisioned people using it and finding a loophole. And guess what? They, they have. Don't. And I've said it before, guys. We are now in the free agency era of college football.
1: Yes, and that's exactly where we're at. And so, if you if you uh, are recruited and you don't get to play, you're out of here. Yeah. Uh, basically, they're they're the the player, the individual, or, is or saying, if
0: or if you're having a bad year, yes. or
1: you know and this is going way too far so the NCAA has to step in somewhere and say okay this is enough they've got to either make better stipulations on this or something
0: Well, and i think it was designed originally and you think it cuz there's some good points to it because you you can you can play a young kid now you you can take a freshman that you're high on you can put him in and say okay we're going to play him in this game this game and this game and then we're going to redshirt him and that's the good thing about this, because it builds depth and it builds talent, but then it backfires on you. It blew up in your face. Kelly, do you think there there is more going on to this and people advising these players on what to do?
2: I do. I don't think that the kids really came up with it. I mean, some of them could. I mean, there's a lot of intelligent kids, but no, I think that. Someone outside sees this. I mean, you got a lot of lawyers out here, Chris, and yeah. So uh, if a kid says, you know what, I I really don't want to play, somebody else gets involved with the parent. The parent gets back. The parent says, hey, this guy's smart. He's a lawyer. Look what he said. Won't you? Well, we're just not going to play. My question is this: Who's in charge? Is the university in charge of paying their tuition to come there to play football? Is it the coach, the head coach, that says you're going to redshirt, or is it the player that says, hey, I'm going to redshirt?
0: What? It used to be the coach.
2: It used to be. That's where it's a mess, Chris. And so then we brought up the the money, and I'll throw it back to you. We thought about paying players. I mean, it's bad enough when you think about the paying of the players, and now we're letting them make the choices on their own. They don't even care about authority anymore. And I do believe that your question to me, though, yes, other adults is helping these kids to make these decisions, no doubt in my mind. And so – it's basically getting to the point where you're calling it free agency just like the NFL. Mm-hmm. And if it gets to that point, point, I've always said it, I've told Neil Waldeck, if college football becomes that, I will be at middle school football games and high school football <laughs> games only. Because yeah. cause
0: that's always been the draw of it. It's these guys out there that are doing this for the love of it. And for the love of the university and the institution that are paying for their education. And I know. I know. I am not a stupid man. I know that people might argue that, by the way. But I I do know this. I'm not naive enough to say, oh, well, they're there to get an education. College football is a million-dollar, billion-dollar business. And these colleges are making a ton of money. And one of my favorite lines from a movie is, "When when's the last time 80,000 people ever showed up to see a kid do a science experiment?
1: Right. <laughs> <does>. You know,
0: <laughs> you know uh, these are institutions of higher learning. And that was a great thing. You, you saw these kids that are not only going to school, working their tail off there, but you saw them go out on a Saturday afternoon and, and pay that back to the university. I I don't know when we lost that, but we have, and it's a major problem. Uh, you know what? I, I guess my solution here to this, to this specific question is, okay, if we're going to allow kids to enter the transfer portal, they go. Now they don't get to stay at the university They don't get to collect their scholarship that year. You get to go out and enter life. And then if somebody wants your services because you have became legitimately a free agent, they can contact you and say, starting next year, you're back on scholarship. You come play for me. I but mean, I like you can't th- allow them to set and collect a scholarship for a year right. when they have no plans of playing again for that university. You can't.
2: portal only. You go to another team, that's it. That, yeah. It
0: should be that way because you look at that kid, uh, Martell, Tate Martell that we looked at, that kid's been in the transfer per- portal more than anybody. He's been there like six times.
2: Yeah. It's
0: that's horrible. Wrong.
2: That's wrong. It's immoral. And the bottom line is we need some integrity back in college up.
0: where where did it go
2: I, I i don't know it's gonna get worse oh it yeah will.
1: that's what i said it's gonna go it's it's getting out of hand it's already crazy here i mean just what we're seeing already and and i think you, you still have to put stipulations in that i don't think that you should be able to get into the portal Just because you're having a losing season and you want out.
0: I just don't think. There has to be a legitimate issue. You know, guys, and and the beauty about the red shirt is, and especially because we've seen them six year seniors because you get injured, but you stick around, you stick it out, and you come back. Right. God bless you. Yeah. You know?
2: You and know, we're losing or,
0: that. Okay, you're, we, we're not going to be able to play you, but we're going to play you some to build your talent, to help you get better, and then you're going to take the rest of the year off. You're not going to go somewhere else. Right. You're going to be here.
2: Remember the 88 team under mm-hmm. Don Nealon? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Most of the starting offensive linemen, if I'm not mistaken, was shirt seniors. Yeah. Red shirt. So they had redshirted. And some, some of, of those guys, guys walked to get on
0: strong. originally. Yeah. You know, that don't happen anymore. No, it it doesn't. doesn't. It doesn't. So
1: so, so something has to be done, something, the NCAA has to step in here at some point and start making either stipulations on this. They're going to have to change that
0: rule somehow, some way, and, and be able to keep the good and deal away with the bad. Like I said, if you want free agency in college football and you want the transfer portal, don't allow these kids to stay on campus and collect a free scholarship. That's right. Go live life. Go be in life and see how hard it can be. And then they'll figure and it out. And if somebody wants you, they'll, they'll contact you. That's right. You know? All right, guys, we're going to take one more break when we come back. Our pick six segment of the show where we pick the top six games in college football this week. Stay tuned. It's the Blitz on 96.7 K Country.
2: But nothing's
0: gonna shake us, shake us. Until the end of days, our Welcome back to The Blitz Being simulcast on the Sports Roundtable Podcast Don't forget, if you missed any part of tonight's show You can catch it all throughout the week Just find the Sports Roundtable Podcast Wherever you find your podcasts. Also on the podcast, five exclusive picks right after this segment that you can only hear on the podcast. So if you want to hear the rest of our picks, that is where you will be able to find them. Let's go over the standings real quick. We mentioned it earlier in the show tonight. The leader has fallen. The great has fallen from the top. Neil yeah, Waldeck rough week, is no longer the leader. Four and seven week. And I jumped you, Neil. You I didn't did. have a great week, but enough. But you did jump me. Enough. Aaron Host and I tied last week at six and five. Neil went four and seven. Kelly at five and six. I am in the lead with a one-game lead over Neil, a two-game lead over Aaron, and a four-game lead over... Over Kelly, as we move into week seven of the college football season, our pick six segment will sh- will start with the Red River Showdown, Cotton Bowl Stadium, Dallas, Texas, where we will find out who is the top team right now in the Big 12 Conference. Guys, I'm the leader, so I'm going to go first on this one, and I've been waiting to have my crack at this one, because I have been talking all year about how Jalen Hurts does not fit Oklahoma's system. This is not a good fit. Now, everybody's been saying that I'm wrong because, well, he's putting up huge numbers, but he has not played anybody yet. He will get the opportunity to prove himself not only to me, But the rest of the country, this Saturday at noon. Guys, I picked them to be in my playoff, and I am sticking with them. I'm going Texas Longhorns. They are tested already this season. They played LSU. They got into a dogfight with us for three quarters. Oklahoma hasn't been Texas. Oklahoma hasn't been tested, and Texas pulls the upset. Kelly Gamble, Oklahoma-Texas Red River Showdown.
2: I like Texas last year from the beginning, and I thought Texas may have that opportunity. But after seeing the defense and the injuries and the weaknesses, I love Sam Ellinger. But I think there's too much Oklahoma as a whole. Oklahoma prevails. Neil. And I like Oklahoma in this matchup as well. I like uh, Jalen
0: Hurts. I think
1: he's uh, putting up the numbers. Hasn't and, played um, anybody. And Aaron also is going to take Oklahoma in this Why matchup.
0: Why does everybody look at me that funny? Jalen Hurts is not a good fit. It gets proven this week. He hasn't played anybody yet. This kid's putting
1: up the numbers. Yeah. He's got. Uh, he's running the ball well. He's just one of those that. I, I mean, Texas couldn't even hardly beat us. I mean, they struggled All right. against us. I All don't right.
0: see how they can beat the right. Oklahoma team. Who did Aaron take? Aaron took Oklahoma as well. All right. So one, I'm going to get right, and everybody else is going to get wrong. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, I won't mind if you do. To be honest with you, because I, I really like Texas over Oklahoma, but I just can't pick them. Guys,
0: coming into this year, this next game looked like it might be a a big game, but I I don't know how big it is. Florida State travels to number 2, Clemson. Uh, Anybody going to take an upset here? Kelly Gamble, start with you. Neil?
1: Uh, No, and neither is Aaron.
0: Okay, I'm not going to either. I'll go with Clemson there as well. Moving on to the Big 12 Conference, more in the Big 12. Texas Tech travels to Baylor, the 22nd-ranked Bears, 5-0, and undefeated. Uh, Neil Waldeck, who you got this week?
1: I'm taking the Baylor Bears. I think that they're playing with a lot of momentum. They're uh, off to a great start
0: in the Big 12.
1: I like them in this matchup.
0: Can't believe I didn't take them last week. I, I brag them up all the time, and then I don't take them. I knew I should have. I won't back down on them again. I like Baylor over Texas Tech. Kelly Gamble. Baylor.
1: Did you give Aaron's pick? Aaron also likes uh, Baylor in this okay. matchup.
0: Guys, we haven't talked about them much since we played them, but Missouri, 4-1, and one, they lost that game early, their first game, to Wyoming. And, guys, I'm telling you, Missouri's a good football team, and they're going to get overlooked a lot this year because they're on the one-year probation from postseason postseason play but missouri is a good football team they get mississippi at home this week neil waldeck
1: i like uh, the tigers in this one i like their quarterback uh, bryant Uh, i think they're a good ball team and um i'm picking them as well as aaron is too
0: I will go with Missouri as well, guys. I, I think they they might be one of the better teams in the SEC East this year. Kelly Gamble. Clean sweep, and they did. They
2: threw me off by losing to Wyoming. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they threw me off big time, but no, they they have came alive, and they look well. And again, Kelly Bryant's a real deal.
0: All right, guys. This is an interesting one because we, we all know that Neil Waldeck loves to pick Iowa. He didn't pick them last week. They did lose to Michigan, so good for you, Neil. You didn't bite on Iowa, but let's see if you bite on them this week. They will host the 10th-ranked Penn State Nittany Lions, 5-0 in the year, Iowa down to 4-1 after that loss. Nighttime games in Kinnick Stadium in Iowa can be very difficult for opposing teams neil waldeck will you pick iowa this week? i am
1: picking iowa i like the hawk the hawkeyes in this matchup it's primetime tv Mm. and uh, i think that uh, they need to stay alive in the big 10 and this is one way to do it by knocking off the nittany lions and uh aaron however though is taking the nittany lions in this matchup
0: kelly gamble very interested on your pick here
2: I'm going Iowa, and I was hoping Neil would go with Penn State. <laughs>
0: no, 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 no. Neil likes his Iowa. But teams. Aaron,
2: no, I, I got to write this down. Aaron, no, took Penn State. So I'm yeah. looking, to, I'm looking to gain a game anywhere against everybody.
0: Kinnick Stadium, guys, it, it, it is, it is a nightmare to play in at night. It's almost like Death Valley it, down at LSU. It is. People go in there and they get upset. However, Iowa State guys did not impress me last week. They could not move the ball at all against Michigan. We've seen what other teams have done to Michigan this year. I think Penn State goes in there and gets a win. Very close game, but I'm taking the Nittany Lions. Moving on now, it is a 4 o'clock kickoff this Saturday from Mountaineer Field in Morgantown. The Iowa State Cyclones bring an 8-0 record in in the month of October over the last two years. there There's the scary stat. Keep that in mind, okay? They're at 3-2, 3-2 on the year. They have struggled a little bit in September, but they have in the past as well. Our Mountaineers, also 3-2 and on the year, trying to bounce back after the loss against Texas. Guys, we've already said, very important for the Mountaineers if they want to go bowling this year. We'll start Kelly Gamble, Iowa State, West Virginia.
2: I just don't think that we can control Purdy enough, even though I think the defense plays well. I think that, again, that the offense don't play well enough, which sets up Iowa State, and again, in short field uh, position, and I think Iowa State pulls this out 28-24. Neil Waldeck.
1: I disagree. I think uh, the Mountaineers, uh, they have potential. You saw it last week with uh, Texas. Uh, they do, it's still a young team, but they're at home. This is not an Iowa State team that's matched up with the same as a Texas. So I like West Virginia squeaking out a win. It'll be 31 24.
0: What did Aaron host say?
1: Aaron also uh, picked WVU in this matchup. Okay.
0: Guys, I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be very hard fought. I think our defense, again, keeps you in it until the very last moment, until they cannot keep you in it anymore, and then your offense has to answer some questions. You're missing your leading receiver for the game, more than likely. He is questionable. Um, Who can fill that spot? I don't know. I I don't see West Virginia establishing the run again against this Iowa State team that plays pretty stout defense. And, guys, I told you the scary stat of the game. Iowa State 8-0 in the month of October. Over the last two years, Matt Campbell's team shine in the month of October. They will make a late run to stay in that Big 12 championship race. Iowa State beats West Virginia 31-21. Make sure, everybody, that you tune in to the Sports Roundtable podcast to get our five exclusive picks for this week. Until next week, for Neil Waldeck and Kelly Gamble, I'm Chris Westfall. We'll talk to you next time on the Blitz. And welcome back, everybody. This is the Sports Roundtable podcast, the exclusive pick section of our show. We do simulcast with our show on 96.7K Country called The Blitz, and this is your exclusive part of the show for tuning into the podcast. I'd like to thank all the listeners that we are getting on this podcast. Thanks for tuning in each and every week. Still trying to figure out uh, who that guy or girl in San Jose, California that's listening every week. Hey, man, you're definitely our, our our longest out listener. We appreciate that. I saw another place in California last week, too. Mountaineer fans everywhere. That's right. right. Or are they just like Neil Waldack. I
1: would say they're more Mountaineer fans than <laughs> oh, they are my
0: fans. You so don't think that the, it's your it's your uh, wonderful radio voice? <laughs> I don't think that's it either. Maybe they maybe they like Kelly Gamble. Uh, that could be. You never. I know. do have a
2: sister out there. I don't know. Yeah, hey, hey, there about, you go. I'm not sure she knows about the.
0: She might. <laughs> she might. That's she's it. tuning in. <laughs> it, she's she's going to talk to you one day and say, Hey, hey listen to you.
2: And Sports Roundtable podcast. It is in Big Bear, California, so I don't know how close that is to San Jose.
0: I don't know. There was another part. I think like maybe Mount Vernon, California, also tuning in. So who knows? But, hey, everybody listening to the podcast, we do greatly appreciate it. And Here you go. Your five exclusive picks. Number 23, Memphis. Memphis jumping into the... Top 25 this week. Remember, they did beat Mississippi early in the year. They're undefeated. They're 5-0. and They're traveling to Temple, up there to Philadelphia. Temple's already took down Maryland earlier in the year. Can Temple pull another upset of a team that we thought was pretty good? Neil Waldeck, start with you. Memphis and Temple.
1: I like Temple in this one. Uh, I think Temple has uh, been playing pretty good football as of late. I think that... Uh, they uh sneak out an upset over number 23 Memphis and of course uh uh Aaron also likes Temple in this matchup.
0: Kelly Gamble. Memphis. I will go with Memphis as well. Guys and and real quick um Cincinnati. Let, let's just throw that in from last Big week. Win. Big win for Cincinnati. <laughs> Guys, who will the Group of five team B that makes it into the New Year six. You got you got Boise. Memphis. You got Boise playing pretty well. You got Cincinnati. I like Cincinnati and, and Luke Fickle. That'll be a real interesting race to watch coming down the stretch over the second half of the season. Guys, we've been talking a lot about a lot of different teams, but I don't think we've had an Alabama game on the pick sheet all year because why? Guys, it's like Oklahoma. Who have they played? They get a challenge this week. Now, is it a challenge? Here here's a crazy 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 stat for you. Texas A&M is 2 and 9 in the in the last 3 years with top 10 teams at home. That's not very good. Alabama traveling to College Station to take on Texas A&M Kelly Gamble.
2: A&M finally drops out of the top 25 because Thank they're goodness. still in there at 3-2. and two. Uh, I think Alabama wins this one win, uh, easy.
0: Yeah, no surprises here. Alabama gets a victory. I think Jimbo keeps close for a while, but no biggie. Neil Waldeck and Aaron Host.
1: And uh, both of us also go with the uh, Crimson Tide.
0: That wacky Pac-12 conference is where we're heading to next. Washington State, led by Mike Leach, travels to the 18th-ranked Arizona State Sun Devils. They're 4-1, 3-30 game on ESPN2. Guys, did you see the press conference from Mike Leach a little bit earlier in the year where somebody asked him who would win a battle between um, Pac-12 and uh conference schools and, and he couldn't come up with an answer because he does not know what mystical powers the sun devil possesses it's a good question um guys i'm looking uh upset here you you never know what's going to happen in the pac-12 conference i'll go with washington state neil waldeck
1: uh i'm going go with the home team here arizona state uh four and one number 18 i'm a I take them as uh, well as uh, Aaron uh, likes Arizona State
0: Devils as well. <laughs> me and you're agreeing on this one, aren't we we? are
2: we? <laughs> <laughs> I took Washington State, Chris. Uh, you know, actually, I thought I was going to get a couple more different picks than you on this. So, no, I went <laughs> Washington State as well.
0: And we still don't know. Maybe Mike Leach finds out what mystical powers the Sun Devil possesses after this game. Who knows? Hey, USC and Notre Dame, a traditional um, blue-collar rivalry in college football. USC, 3-2 and two on the year. Notre Dame, only loss, comes to Georgia, still in the top ten. Kelly Gamble going to you. USC, Notre Dame.
2: I think if it was at USC, I'd go with USC. But being played there uh, at Notre Dame, I'm taking Notre Dame.
0: Neil Waldeck and Aaron Host.
1: And uh, we both uh, take the Irishman in this matchup.
0: Yeah, and I will as well. Number nine, Notre Dame rolls in this one. I'm still pulling for USC to hire Urban Meyer just to prove my theories right at the end of the year. Guys, it is a huge game that got made even bigger last week when Florida beat Auburn. They get another whack at an SEC undefeated team from the west division this week it will not be an easy job to do as the number seven florida gators six and oh on the year travel to death valley for an eight o'clock night game on espn going down to take on the tigers number five ranked lsu five and oh on the year guys who are we going with neil waldeck aaron host first
1: uh, i like the um lsu tigers in this matchup they're a strong team and they're going to be at home i think florida though will have a lot of momentum i think it's going to be a little bit closer of a game than the way you would think but lsu survives kelly
0: gamble
2: i didn't think florida would be where they're at i think they was a two or three lost team by now but somehow <laughs> some way they win but not this week yeah. lsu yeah
0: it's a hard ask for anybody to go down there to death valley at night and to win a game Uh, I think Florida's weaknesses get exposed. I I still think LSU is the best team in the country at this point in time, and I think they prove it once again by beating the Florida Gators. We're all out of time. I guess we're not out of time because it's a podcast. We, We could keep talking if we want. It's just the radio guy in me. But we will talk to you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Sports Roundtable podcast.